Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. And that's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctors. Planned Parenthood needs your support now. Now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAIP-owned brands right now like Cardin, Kaja, Emilia George, and hey, Meve, plus you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. You date me a podcast where me, Nicole Byer, tries to figure out how I'm still single. Even though, if you asked me to give you $100 every day, I would do it. Okay, my guest today... (laughs) (laughs) My... My guest today is written for Totally Bias with W. Kamau Bell, uh, has written for it, also created and produced The Problem with Apu. He's a stand-up. He's fabulous. Also, I'm deadly afraid of mispronouncing his name, even though I think I can do it. It's Hari Konda... No, wait. Hari Kondabolu. Yeah! Yes! And here's the thing. It's just pronounced phonetically. It's pronounced Correct. the way it's spelled. That is and right. And I think what happens is like, I'm like, oh boy, it's long. This is going to be hard for me. <laughs> right. right, 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 right. All right, I'm very sorry I struggled through it. It's uh, okay. I feel like this is, it, I mean, I'm sure it's happened for a very long time. It, it has, it has. But the fact you put in the extra effort means a lot. <laughs> Most people, you know, they don't bother, and it's like, well, you get, you're going to get what you get, and that's that. And you put in the effort, and you really got it, and it means a lot. Oh, well, thank you. I am constantly mispronouncing people's names. I just, I don't know, I guess I just, like, look at letters, and I'm like, this. And they're like, no. I had to do, uh, I think it was TCA's, yeah, T- Critics, uh, Television Critics Association. They So uh, Netflix wanted me to, like, host it, which is weird, and... 
I had to introduce the cast of One Day at a Time, and those are Latinx names, and I wasn't, (laughs) some of them are very long, and I looked at them and I was like, oh no, I'm going to mispronounce these people's names, and this is like not okay, like they're very proud of the show, they're presenting the show, and the last thing you want is like someone mispronouncing your name when you're trying to promote something. So I was like, can we do it phonetically? So they wrote it phonetically in the prompter and I still had so much trouble. So I just like, after the first lady, I was like, okay, everyone, I'm going to mispronounce everyone's names. It's just, it's inevitable. I'm so sorry. So when you come to stage, please correct me and you don't have to be nice or you can't be nice, whatever you want. And then it was like funny. And then Stephen, very easy last name. I don't know. It was someone with like an easy last name. So I fucked that up real hard. <laughs> and he looked at me and he's like, how did you mess that one up? And I was like, uh-oh, you don't understand game. Okay. <laughs> also, for the sake of consistency, you messed it up. It yes. would have been weird if you had gotten it right. Yes, it definitely would have been. Hari, this, okay, my listeners can't see this. You're wearing this like stunning orange shirt. It's yeah. a real nice color. I have never worn this shirt, and I was going th- through my wardrobe, and I realized it's not live and, and mm-hmm. all that, but I'm like, I really want to look good today, and so I decided to bring out this uh, orange shirt for the first time. Honestly, I think you got to bring it out a lot of times that you look <laughs> good, baby. I do. <laughs> Ari, are you single, married? No. Okay. I am in I am in a long-term relationship. Um me and my partner Jocelyn live in Brooklyn and we have a 4-month-old baby. Ooh. Is it yeah. a good baby or a bad baby? Um today he well, I don't know with babies. Like, is it because good and bad almost sounds like a value judgment? I don't know. He was he was screaming his head off a few hours ago, mm-hmm. and then we put uh, a bear suit on him, so he looks like a cute little bear cub. Aww. And you know, almost forgiven. You know, <laughs> it's, it's babies beautiful. are funny. Yeah. Uh, I used to nanny for a super long time, and I figured it out. I was like, oh, I feel like this baby only wants like one of three things. It's like either he's hungry, mm-hmm. he needs a diaper change, or he just mm-hmm. wants like attention. Correct. Yeah, that's like a. That's about it. Also, sleep. Sleep. Oh yes. Babies okay. One wanna, of four babies things. Babies want a nap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you miss that nap, it's like your fault. Even though you know, part of you is like, just go to sleep. If you want to go to sleep, and then you're mm-hmm. like, oh, they don't know how. They don't know how yet. They don't know how to just to go to sleep whenever you had to put them to sleep. Mm-hmm. That is so crazy <laughs> to not know how to go to sleep. Yeah. I never thought of it like, oh, yeah, babies, they don't know how to do anything. You have to train them out of like at this point, it's like, oh, yeah, the thing where the, the giant shows up, w- the one with milk <laughs> or the milk adjacent and, you know, cradles me back and forth while I scream and eventually I lose consciousness. That's what sleep is. <laughs> and you have to realize that at some point there is no giant involved and you're mm-hmm. on your own. But, uh, you know, imagine if, like, you never realized that in your whole life has been waiting for people to lift yeah. you up, to mm-hmm. put you down. Yeah. Honestly, I would like it. I would like to be <laughs> lifted up and rocked to sleep. That yeah. might just be, like, the effects of 2020. <laughs> but, like, right now that sounds really nice. I'm just imagining, like, the ty- like the person who would get that job, like, if you were super rich and you still wanted to be, like, cradled to sleep. It's like... Mm-hmm. Like former NBA superstars who like All right, I, I rock I rock Bill Gates now. That's what I do. I actually rock human beings in my arms to sleep. Yeah. I last night was having a conversation with a nice man who lives with me, and mm-hmm. he was like, 
I wish there w- we were watching The Real Housewives and there was a baby in like one of those baby, I don't know, vibrating seats. And he was like, I huh. want one of those. They don't make them for adults. And I was like, mm. why don't they? That might be nice and therapeutic for some adults. Oh, my God. We have a crib called the Snoo. And uh, it's it's a, a, a crib that you put the baby in. First of all, you have to strap the baby down, which is a little weird. But you got to get mm-hmm. strap the baby down. And, and the baby's going to be screaming and stuff. And it slowly rocks left and right. And if the baby's mm-hmm. still losing, it increases speed and makes a lot of white noise. And then, like, oh. increases speed more and makes more white noise. And they just kind of keeps getting higher until the baby like calms down a little bit and then it slowly lowers the shaking and it's not really shaking more than like back and forth kind of rotating um Mm -hmm. initially i'm like this seems like something you shouldn't do with a baby considering they tell you (laughs) not to shake babies and not move them uh but apparently this uh this doctor has perfected this crib and it is incredibly effective, and I told my brother about this, and he saw videos. You can see videos of these babies and these snooze, and it's hilarious. And he was all about an adult one, like an adult <laughs> robot crib <laughs> that slowly lulls you to sleep. It's called a snooze crib? No, a snoo, S-N-O-O. Oh, that's not how I was spelling it. It's it's ridiculous, but like if they made adult versions, like, oh, God, people would. Uh, app, we didn't even buy it. It's too expensive, so we rent it. But like what that's, you rent, you can. I'm whoa. Yeah. This is like next level. You can rent a crib. Yeah, you can rent a crib. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I, I'm 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 successful, but not own a robot <laughs> crib. Expe- <laughs> uh, successful. I'm, I'm a renting robot crib. Successful. I mean, yeah. I get it, but this is the. I guess you can rent whatever you want. It's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. so wild. Okay. I have a question. How did you meet your partner? Um, what story have we been going with now? <laughs> um, uh, I mean, uh, there, we, there was, I saw like some, uh, God, I hate saying, cause it just sounds so bad. Cause it's the thing that's ruined the world. But I was on Facebook and uh, mm-hmm. there was uh, a woman posted something on the feed and I didn't recognize who she was, especially early on with Facebook, I was just like befriending everybody. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, I'm like, I only befriend people I know or who are cute. And that became <laughs> the standard. And so I didn't know who this person was. And I'm like, but we have all these friends in common, including uh, my brother and friends of my brother, which was kind of initially was like, ah, that's probably a bad sign if she's friends with people my brother knows. Mm-hmm. Um, but um you know, she liked my work and she used to listen to my podcast with W. Kamau Bell. And um, so we started chatting and then I just got sick. Of, like, I don't want to like I had been doing like Bumble and all that stuff. And I just mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm like, I don't want to do this chatting stuff. I'd got I was pretty much done with that whole, you know, era of my life. And I'm like, this person seems interesting. Why don't we just talk on the phone? And we spoke on the phone like it was like, you know, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was great. And we kept talking on the phone and. You know, the next thing I know, we're living together and <laughs> it's been almost three years and yeah, we have a baby. That's cute. I like that. That is so wild that only three years ago you met on Facebook and then we're like, let's talk on the phone. And yeah, it seems like a, <laughs> I almost just said an old time tale. And it's definitely not old timey. <laughs> we moved in within three months of like knowing each other. It was it was really like because she was living in Boston. She had just... Uh, gotten her master's and she was heading back to New York and needed a place to live. And I don't know. I just kind of knew 
Mm-hmm. Which I assumed she also knew, but she has told me like, yeah, I didn't know. I just figured it was free rent. But like, <laughs> I, like I kind of like, I think I'm supposed to to do this. And so I said, do you want to live with me until you find a place to live? And she's like, okay. And, you know, we're still living together. So yeah. that's cute. I really li- I like that you do. And she was just like, meh. Let's try nah. this. Let's see what happens. I, I, I got loans to pay off. Let's just <laughs> save some money for a few months and find the next sucker. Um, no, I mean, like, it, I, I don't know. My gut, I kind of knew, and it just, we clicked. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's great. So let's see. It was like long distance. So you were, how long were you long distance? Not that long, just a couple of months, because she was about, she was finishing school, so she was about to move back to New York anyway. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and she lived in New York for a decade, and so, like, you know, it was, she knew it, and uh, and it was home, and she had friends and a life here, and, um, but yeah, like, it was, it was pretty rapid, you know, because it's Mm -hmm. like, she'd come to visit a few times, you know, and, and we, like, there was a stretch, I think, for, for three out of four weeks, she took the bus down from Boston to hang out with me, and, Mm -hmm. like, it was like, oh, this is special. You don't just do that. And plus, it was kind of clear that there was lots of chemistry and we really enjoyed each other's company. And it's still a bit of a jump. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a jump to live because I had never lived with somebody before. Oh. Like outside of a roommate. So it's like, I've never lived, I've had long term relationships. I've never lived with somebody. Hey, person I've known for two months <laughs> via, via the thing that is destroying <laughs> democracy. Well, why don't we move in together? I've also never lived with a significant other. I, I'm worried about what it would be like to wake up in a bed with somebody every day and be like, do you not have another bed? And it's like, no, (laughs) no, no, they don't. Well, it was also the, she moved into my studio apartment that I'd lived in for eight years. So it was two people. We had just basically met living together in a studio apartment. Oh, dang. It was, you know, in New York, it's a tiny Mm -hmm. studio and, you know, I'd lived there eight years. I didn't have pictures on the wall. I didn't. It's like I just, she's like, how long have you been here? Because there's still like a, a pile of boxes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, this is my end of my eighth year living in this apartment. <laughs> um, so she also kind of moved into like this this mess. And it's mm-hmm. it's like a hard thing to live. To live with anybody is hard. To live with them in a place where there is no escape. Like we just moved into a mm-hmm. three-bedroom but, you know, the first two plus years of our relationship, like if we had a fight, the only place to go was the bathroom. Like that's Oof. the only place, which Oof. tactically is a good move because eventually the one who needs to use the bathroom has to apologize. But <laughs> it's, it, it, it is a weird, it's like you you realize how much uh, personal space is important in a relationship, even mm-hmm. if it's, you know, a bathroom. You need something where you can kind of decompress without the other person at times. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense uh, because I live in like a bigger place than my old apartment and it is nice to be able to be like, goodbye. Like I don't yeah, see my yeah. roommate, like goodbye. Maybe we had a fight or like even when we're like, okay, it's just yeah. nice to be like, you're not in my face all the time. Right. No, that's absolutely like, look, I had, you know, my my brother's, you know, one of my best friends and we're close and we shared rooms and stuff and it was great, mm-hmm. but like, it's different. Do you know what I mean? Like the dynamics <laughs> oh, of absolutely. siblings are so different than than a partner. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just feel like sometimes, uh, you know, uh, 
I get it. Like less so for me, but I think more for Joss. I think there were times where I'm like, I don't, I just don't want to see this person right now. <laughs> I want, I, I want. It's technically his apartment, but I don't want him here right now. Like I understand. <laughs> like you just, you, you. I think part of it is like you want to. <laughs> that you know, we all are versions of ourselves with different people. You know, mm-hmm. like, and I'm assuming there are times where you know you want to be a version of yourself that's not the version you are with your partner and without another room, mm-hmm. that's really difficult. Yeah, very, very difficult. Because then they're like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know you said words like that. I'll never <laughs> forget. My t- I got suspended from school for calling my teacher a cunt because she was a white Whoa. lady and white people really are affected by that word. What year was this? <laughs> when was this? Was this? This was my, I think, sophomore. No, no, no. It was my junior or senior year. That's when it had to be because my of mom. high school. Yeah, of high school. And my dad, like they called my dad. They told my dad what I said. And my dad was like, Nicole, who taught you that word? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and I was I, watching <laughs> British television. <laughs> and I just, you know, heard the word cunt. And I was like, I better call somebody that. <laughs> um, it must have been your senior year. Like your junior year is like your most important year of high school. Would you have really oh. said it then? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really care <laughs> about school. I was like, I'm going to be an actress. I don't need to do good in school. I'm going you to New York knew? City. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So like pre-SATs, the PSAT, SATs, none of that was important to me. Uh, also, I, it was really hard for me to take the SATs because I didn't know I had ADD. And they put me in this room with a big window and then there was a big dog outside and I was like, what's that Oof. dog doing? And then they were like, hand in your test. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was very, very hard. Uh, you said earlier that she <laughs> moved dog, into I'm your... Sorry. I'm still dealing with the, the dog in the window. <laughs> As if someone planted it there just to like... Just so it. I wouldn't be able to take my test. He was like one of those like shaggy fun big dogs oh, that looked like so much God. fun yeah, oh, yeah and like the owner was playing with him for like a long time it was <laughs> it was really it was bad i did not score very high on my sats i used to lie about what i got but i think it was like i don't know maybe 800 or 600 it was low <laughs> like i yeah. it was i just couldn't take it and then i was just like filling in any bubble i could um but you had mentioned that she moved into your studio you had been there eight years you still had boxes on the floor is that, I know it's not specific to men or male skewing people who identify as men, uh, but I've been to so many apartments where the dude's mattress is on the floor and yeah. they have like, and it looks like a murderer's lair. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. is this a choice? Or did your mother never tell you things look nice on the wall? Like, I don't, can you break <laughs> it down? Do you know why? I mean, oh God, I don't, I'm, I've been trying to, I mean, do you know, you know Julio Torres? The comedian, uh, yes, uh, he, yeah. Julio's so funny. He has a he has this HBO, his HBO special is great. But like, he had a joke. I think it was on Seth Meyers, and he talked about how he has a a straight dude friend, and he wanted to get him something for his birthday, so he got him an empty Gatorade bottle to put in his room. And I just <laughs> thought, and it was like, oh my god, he got us, he got us. That's right. I yeah, I don't know. It's this. This weird feeling of I'll get to it later or I'll just do it all at once as if Mm -hmm. cleanliness is not something that's constant 
and something you have to do. It's almost like, you know, like there's one thing when it's like the dishes pile up, you know, Mm -hmm. then it's like the dishes pile up weekly because that's your thing. Every week you do the dishes once and Mm -hmm. you don't take just as if it's like, I don't even know, like everything's like once a week or every other week. And it's like that doesn't work that way when, Mm -hmm. you know, I think part of it might be. Because I know that every time I've had a partner, I've tried harder. Whether mm-hmm. or not they told me to, like, certainly, like, their influence is huge. But, like, I, I'm like, I better get rid of these Gatorade bottles. Like, I better, <laughs> I want them to come over, so I better make my bed. Or I better <laughs> clean these dishes. And I don't even, you know, when, when you're cleaning your dishes and you're like, oh, I remember that from two weeks ago. It's like, that's not good. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> But I feel like if you were a single person, single man living alone, uh, it almost feels like what's the incentive? As opposed to just oh, staying wow. clean and being a living thing in the oh, world wow. that's functioning, a functioning adult. It's like, uh-huh. especially when you're like, a, oh, maybe it's not profession focused, but as a comedian, there's that added like, mm-hmm. like you almost treat your place like a hotel room because you're not there that much mm-hmm. anyway. You're traveling constantly. So this is just the hotel I stay at in New York where I live. You know, it's it becomes very easy to just. And at some point, it's like, wait, how come the, the no one's cleaned this room? And it's like, right, because I live here. I'm the one who has to clean the room. You know? Yeah, that does make sense. I once dated a guy who, like, the first time I went to his house, I was like, okay, this is rather clean. He's got a mm. bed frame. He's got dresser drawers. He, this is okay. This is cute. His bathroom is like, you know, could be better. But like, it's like not a, a thousand crusted over towels that, uh, that are on the floor. This is okay. And then we were talking about something. He was like, you ever get a dingleberry? And I was like, what? He was like, have you ever had a dingleberry? And I said, like a like a clump of shit out of like my butt <laughs> like that's just there and he's like well that's what a dingleberry is i was like no no i've never had a dingleberry and he's like oh i've had them a couple times and i'm like wow that's not okay and i was like why is he telling me this does he not want me to fuck him tonight because i will it's just gonna be in the back of my mind <laughs> why did why did he do that i don't know i never got the answers to why he thought it was okay to tell me that what i don't wait so it's almost like he had a certain level of cleanliness in terms of his home. Yes. But I guess but after- he was like, I may look clean, but that ass is dirty. <laughs> Which is not the way it should. I'd rather a clean ass, dirty home. <laughs> it was so strange. How did, you, how did he segue into that? Like, how do you even begin that conversation? I... I'm trying to think. I feel like it was like out of nowhere. Or maybe he, w- I was also late and he didn't like that I was always late to things. So maybe my punishment for being late was just knowing I was going to suck the dick of a man with a dirty butt. I don't oh. know. I don't know. <laughs> he also farted on me once and I was like, you must love me because this is a lot of like very like <laughs> things you hold off until you're Wait, like, oh, I know I've a- got this person. And this was a human man. This was a human man. An adult. Who I was like, an adult that I was like, truly like, not in love with, but I was like, I think, I think you're, I think this could be a thing. Uh, And then he kept doing things. And I was like, my God, 
does he want me to go? You're disgusting. I have to go. But I'm like, that's not what I'm going to do. <laughs> so he must be testing your limits. And like, how much does this person love me? Maybe. Like, I don't know. I mean, when he did fart on me, I was like, you truly like there's something dead inside you. And I really hated that. And he was like, I'm sorry. But like, I don't know. Yeah, the dingleberry thing really got me. I was like, yikes, this can't be. But then I like went out with him a bunch more. <laughs> I mean, if so, I feel like if I was hanging out with a bunch of dudes and one of the dudes said that, I, I'm like, I don't want to talk about this. And it, you know what I mean? Like, what do you, why are we uh-huh. talking about this? And yeah, that's not even in a dating situation. Like I would think to myself, I know. This, yeah, just like a friend. You're like, I don't want to hear about your dirty butt. Like just wash it. I don't want to share a green room with this guy. Like at this point. <laughs> okay. Real quick. We're going to take uh-huh. a break. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service that's all about helping you have fun and get creative with your style. Shift gears in your wardrobe without a complete and expensive overhaul. Dressy stuff, trendy going out clothes, casual tops and premium jeans, sweaters, outerwear, vacation fits, you name it. For just $98 a month, you get a choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing, fast, free shipping and returns, and professional cleaning in Newly's state-of-the-art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I like Newly a lot because sometimes I don't want to like own a sparkly thing because I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to wear it more than once. Also, I have a ton of sparkly things. And Newly is very good at like having a sparkly thing that I'll wear once and then I can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DATEME20. Just go to newly.com, N U U L Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code DATEME20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code DATEME20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Spring is the best time to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up. And Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, tap into your power, and build towards whatever you're looking for. Okay, Peloton can accommodate your schedule with a variety of class lengths to choose from. Even if you only have five minutes, there's a class to get your body moving. And I have to stress how important that is. Five minutes is better than no minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and mood. Move at your own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take the guesswork out of working out. So you can just jump right in, keeping your fitness journey fresh every day because that's what it is, a journey. And listen, Peloton has everything you need to get to where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, uh, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton is something for you. Ooh, the Peloton classes I like to do are strength training. I also like the yoga because um, I'm always trying to get more flexible um, because I love doing splits because I'm slutty. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at (laughs) OnePeloton.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
you know, there's always something that I really need to talk about. And thank God I have a podcast. But then there's stuff that I don't want to reveal publicly. So I talk to a therapist. And listen, we all carry around different stressors big and small, and when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get stuff off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. And I gotta say, that's very important because the first person you meet might not be good for you. So, even though it's work, you got to work to find someone who like is helpful and is good for you. So don't stick with someone just because you feel like you have to get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash date me today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash date me. Okay. Hey, did you know one in five Americans have learn a new language on their bucket list? If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste time on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned out in the real world. Babbel made it super easy for me to brush up on my Spanish before my vacation to Mexico. See how I said that? It's, it's better, and it sounds like I speak Spanish. It just makes traveling better so you can like order food, ask for directions, and flirt with the locals. Me encanta, muchacho! <laughs> Without having to consult language apps while on vacation. Here's a special limited time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash date me. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash date me. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash date me. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. Okay, <laughs> so uh, before the break, you said green room. And green rooms remind me of performing. Performing reminds yeah. me I'm a comic. Sometimes yeah. I forget. It has been a yeah, long yeah, time. Yeah. But, it's been uh, a long time. When we were performing like on the reg, did you have chuckle fuckers? I love asking comics this. Huh. Hmm. I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't think there's. An, I don't think it's a yes or no. I don't know. I also. I think huh. I don't. I think I. If if chucklefucker means what I think it is, which is a a groupie for stand up comedians, is that correct? Yeah, like after a show, a girl's just like, oh my god, you're or a man, whoever is just like, oh my god, you're so funny. Um, let's get a drink. Then you get a drink and then you fuck them. I think the thing is, Nicole. I don't know how much a man talking about colonialism at 10 p.m. on a Friday night <laughs> in a club in Milwaukee really mm-hmm. is like, wow, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. A man talking about history and colonialism to a bunch of drunken strangers <laughs> in a room that were misled into thinking this was a comedy show. Like, I don't know if that's really, you know, attractive to... I'm sure there's a percentage 
of mm-hmm. people would be like, wow, yeah, this is what I've been looking for. But it, to have that percentage also be people that find me sexually attractive, mm-hmm. it's slim. I'm not really making it, you know. <laughs> Did people respond positively or negatively to your comedy? Because, like, I think you're very funny, but you do talk about, like, heavy topics. It depends on, you know, the place and time and who's in the audience. You know, especially as I've become more known, people coming to see me, of course, it's it's so much more fun, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't need to. It's a different game. Yes. It's like offense and defense. When you're like playing to your team, the people that came to see you, you can do whatever you want. And your jokes can mm-hmm. go. You don't need to do the 101 of an idea, especially when you're like if you're talking about race or anything kind of heavy. You can actually really dig in. But when you're performing for like randos in a place, it's. Uh, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're, I'm not dumbing it down, but I'm certainly not like, uh, challenging myself. You know, I'm certainly like, I'm also on the defense of like, if like you start writing jokes to recover from the jokes, you know, are not going to work, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, which is a weird instinct. Like, "Ah, that's not going to work here. So I better come up with something else to be able to say what I want and still be able to fix it. Like you, you have to learn to like, kind of like defend yourself, whether like dealing with hecklers or like making jokes, work in your favor even when they don't um but yeah i mean i don't know i don't think i'm for everybody but i think i think that's interesting like i don't if there's like a one to five scale i would hate to be a three i'm fine with being Mm -hmm. a one or a five so there's something about being a one or a five means that you got to somebody in either direction if it's a three you're just like oh that person was there can't remember a thing they said but they filled the time they filled an hour (laughs) of my life that i would have spent doing nothing you know like yeah, I'd rather be for a group of people than for like to be for everybody. Like just yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, girls say this, boys say that. Everyone's like, uh huh. But uh, right, right. when I started touring, I realized that the per- the people I had the most problems with were older white men, and I was huh. like, oh, I get it. You've lived your whole life being like, you know the most important thing and then this black woman comes with like an opinion and you're like i can't handle that not even for one hour i must yell at her (laughs) well especially she they can't report you to hr in that situation they can't fire you there's no power at all in that situation and Mm -hmm. and i've had that at times i think definitely less than you you know just as a woman of color but like just as a dude playing rooms, regardless, and people assume, well, not in the liberal cities, and that's bullshit. Even in liberal cities, like, uh-huh. you have people who think, you know, they don't like someone else being the center of attention. They don't like uh, another man being the center of attention. They don't like a man of color being in the center of attention. They don't like a man of color talking about colonialism while he's the center mm-hmm. of attention. Like, there's a, there's a million different reasons why somebody would, like, not like it, and... You know, that's also, I think, part of the pressure I think a lot of people of color have to clown themselves because like you're you're thinking about like how white people and particularly white men view you and wanting them to like you. And it takes time to deprogram yourself. It's like, fuck that. Mm -hmm. Fuck that. Like, I don't if they're if they're laughing a certain way, that means that the joke didn't work the way it was supposed to. Like your, your job is to be yourself and being yourself is is being unapologetically you. And, and I feel like oftentimes when like you have those white dudes in the audience that don't really want you there, they want you to be apologetic. They want you to almost apologize for existing and to explain yep. yourself. And, you know, I think one of the, one of my favorite things I, I was talking about this uh, on stage, you know, in the olden times 
um, before oh the plague boy. hit. Back in the, the Stone Ages before COVID. Uh, when you when you would talk to people in, in large crowds or, for me, moderate crowds <laughs> in rooms. And <laughs> it, I, there, this phenomenon would happen of often it would be women of color with white dudes who after the show, like the woman of color would come up to me and say how much you love my show. It's so important what you're doing, you know, for, mm-hmm. like, for the community or like, you know, as a person of color, dude, I appreciate this. And then like the white dude she's with would walk by me and be like, yeah, all right. All right. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of like, it, it'd be wonderful. Like the fact that mm-hmm. she loved it and he didn't. And then I, you know, and I doing it long enough, I would have like, return customers right like return mm-hmm. you know audience members and then to hear a woman of color said last time i was here i brought this white date and he was so he hated everything you had to say and that's when i realized that we had nothing in common and so we're not seeing each other anymore and the joy i get from that like Ari, just I that love this. isn't that nice like i helped yes. you i did you yes. i did something your friends couldn't convince you uh-huh. of that your family couldn't convince you of but i was there and you're like this is this man does not pass my litmus test he is not a good white i truly love it not only are you entertaining but you're like a relationship guru <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Um, so you did, it's a documentary, The Problems of Apu, right? The Problem of Apu, yeah. Yeah, oh, A Problem, what, what is it called? The Prop, no, wait, that's not what it's called. The Problem with Apu. I got the, oh, okay. It's been a minute. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a minute. I'm like, I don't know. Some Apu movie I made, yeah. But I feel like people were so angry because you, people love The Simpsons. They revere The Simpsons. Yeah. And you were like, well, here's an issue with it and it's a valid yeah. issue and people were like losing their minds it's like I've, weird. Just, I've seen tweets currently that are like there's nothing wrong with that poem and i'm like guys no it's weird it's like it's been out. this long especially when like i was tweet or like when i was tweeting like during the the black lives matters protests or like like the, mm-hmm. all the different justice movements over the past like six months to a year like so this like incredible stuff and i'd be writing about police brutality and then some random white dude would be like you killed Apu we have to march that and I'm like oh brother you gotta get out of here god tell me you're Russian like what is this shit like these are real humans you think I really get even when I was making the film I only kind of gave a shit like because the Mm. it's do you know what I mean because because, like it it was a film that should have been made 15 or 20 years ago but they didn't let Indian Mm -hmm. people talk till a decade ago so I just got to it when I got to it so you know it was again like i was saying it's like a 101 for for us you know if, if you're from a community mm-hmm. and you're, you're used to racism what why people are racist in this way it's like not mm-hmm. not even just white people like you know like people are racist against your culture in this in this way it's uh-huh. like not a shock you know so for me it was like old stuff that i finally got to talk about and put on the record and you know it, it, it people were writing about there's this apu controversy i'm like it's is racism a controversy? It seems like a constant. Yeah, you know I mean? it's almost as if like someone was getting murdered in front of you and you just went, mm, but I think it's okay. <laughs> it's right. like, well, just because you think it's okay doesn't mean it's okay. <laughs> it's it's very, I mean, and also just the anger that people had, the irony of like, well, you don't like that? This comedian criticized pop culture. You know who does that? The fucking Simpsons. The Simpsons do that. Yeah. That's one of the things they do. And that's why I was, and I, I kind of still am a fan of that show, even though less mm-hmm. so now. But like, 
Yeah, like, and less so because of the kind of reaction to it. But, like, it's, that's kind of how I learned to, like, find these hypocritical things in pop culture and media and, and how that, you know, being kind of self-conscious and um, deconstructive is, like, part of the game. Like, The Simpsons mm-hmm. really had a lot of that, you know? Like, I don't know. But also, isn't it, like, fun to challenge something that you love to be better? Yeah, I mean, I thought it's like when people get upset when you criticize the government. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I mean, you care. Otherwise, yeah. you would just be like, I'm just going to do my thing, whatever. Like, you care enough to say anything, mm-hmm. to say something, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, as somebody who is able to converse in the show, who knows the show, it's it's mm-hmm. also kind of like if... I think most people didn't see the film, so the idea that I liked the show, that I grew up on the show, it wasn't a factor because mm. they didn't see the film. Most people didn't see the film. It, it's basically like there's like a template, and you put in, like each week there's like a thing, something, something, destroying America, something, something, politically correct, something, something, you know? Mm-hmm. And for a while, the gaps were filled in by my name and the documentary I made. But nobody had seen it. It's just a matter of like, this is the example for the week or the month or the year of the, something that's destroying mm-hmm. the country. It's like, it's not even, it was a light document. It was a light pop documentary. <laughs> not even worth the, you know, getting mm-hmm. that angry about. But that's people. People that's be people. getting mad all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So did you grow up around a bunch of white people or did you grow up in a, like an environment where there's a lot of Indian people? Was it like inclusive? I grew up in Queens, New York. Oh, so okay. I, the, everybody, everybody yeah. was there, you know, the cross section. And even the white people weren't white. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not white, I'm Greek, uh-huh. you know? I'm not, I'm not white, I'm Irish. Uh-huh. When you, when's the last time you've been to Ireland? Four or five generations ago. Mm-hmm. But it's like that. <laughs> but you're still Irish, you know what I mean? Like there's this yeah. ownership that like uh, I don't think in the rest of the country it's as universal, you know, anymore. No. It, like I feel the, like it's a very East Coast thing. Like I grew up with a lot of Italians who were like, mm. I eat mozzarella and my mother makes gravy and uh, pasta. And you're like, gravy? And they're like, it's marinara. So-. And you're like, okay. And then you're like, oh, so do you go back to Italy a lot? And they're like, I've never been. My mother's never been. My right, grandmother's right, right, right. never been. Yeah. It's so funny. I, I think it might be like East Coast specific. Well, I think part of it, too, is, like, the coasts generally have, like, larger groups of a community together, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the more you go inland, the, the, they generally break apart and the communities get smaller. But, like, New York, you know, you have a big Italian community, big Polish community, big... I mean, every community has some representation mm-hmm. in New York, which means that you both are able to have a, like, a... a, a you know, it's funny, it, like, they like ethnic enclaves, I guess, is, is the term, but they're just, like... Like places where you can be a version of yourself that mm-hmm. in the rest of the world you might not be able to, where like you get to actually embrace all these cultural things, and the the demand to assimilate isn't as great. It's like, mm-hmm. well, okay, when I'm when I'm here, I, I have to play this game, but when I'm here, I get to not play this game, and that's part of why I loved growing up in Queens so much. Like I could be an Indian dude, I could be a South Indian dude, I could be a South Indian dude from my a parent's particular part of India. Like you could get really specific. Mm-hmm. I could, I could really like embrace that. It's not to say I didn't deal with racism. It's not to say that I didn't feel left out. It's not to say I didn't have racial angst, but it is to say that there was a degree of pride in, in who I was. And I don't think it's, it's until I went to college in Maine where I'm like, Oh shit, rest of the country's not like Queens. <laughs> like, like what? It's like going to Maine was like, 
being thrown in the water when you don't know how to swim. It's like, mm-hmm. what? What is this? Like, all of you are white? All of you? <laughs> yeah. Now when I go to places, like I grew up around a lot of white people, but I went to church with a lot of black people. Uh, so like in my brain, and then my family lived in Chicago on the South side. So in my brain, I was like, the world is very, very segregated. And then I moved to New York and I was like, oh no, there are parts of the world where like everybody is everywhere. And then I realized it is specific to New York. It is truly only in New York. You can get like a glimpse of everybody. It's so strange. That's what the train is. I mean, like you have people in business suits and some of the poorest people you will meet and they're all in the same space because they Mm -hmm. have to get from point A to point B. And yeah, we all smell that smell. Yeah, we don't know what fluid that is. Yes, uh, we are watching this fight and that man filming the fight. Mm -hmm. Like this is all, I mean, and it's shared. And how many times do you have people from so many different class strata and you know, immigrant groups and legal, you know, legal statuses and races, and they're having the exact same experience. Mm-hmm. And I, for better or worse, New York gives you that. I miss New York dearly. I love it. I love it. I love it. I really want to, I don't want to move back because I do like LA, but like, yeah. I just want to figure out a, like a way to spend more time there. And I guess I could after the pandemic. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Jersey. Jersey. Oh, so Jersey. okay. You're tri-state area. That's tri-state area. Yeah. Where where in Jersey? Uh, Middletown, so Monmouth County, uh, close to like Long Branch. Uh, Is that North or, Jersey? Well, we say it's Central Jersey. People in North Jersey call it South Jersey. People in South Jersey call it North Jersey. But it's Central Jersey. It, it exists, and that's where I'm from. I've heard that from other people in Central Jersey. Yeah, they don't think we exist, and we do. We are just as important. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I asked specifically because I was like, have you, did you like date a lot growing up? Did you have like a boy or a girlfriend in like high school and in like middle school? Cause like, no, it was, it was, I was incredibly awkward. And I think also, you know, when you'd have parents who didn't date, you know, they from another country, they had an arranged marriage. The idea mm-hmm. of dating wasn't even like it. The idea of dating being, oh, that's an American thing. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm American and I live here. Like, you know, <laughs> I go to schools here. You know, my brain is, is, is you know, has been constructed here. So, um, yeah, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't really start dating really till college. And that was only a little bit. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like, I don't think I really had the confidence or a sense of self to really like ask people out and um, like try to go out until like I was in my twenties. Like what, like in my, by my Mm -hmm. early to mid twenties, I finally felt like, like, Oh, wait a second. I, I, I'm I'm not unattractive. I just went to school in Maine and they brainwashed Mm -hmm. me. I went to a place where nobody who looked like me could ever be seen as attractive. And in a culture where like, you know, a, a certain nor like this is considered attractive, and now all of a sudden I'm like, no, 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 I'm. <laughs> you were all wrong. I'm handsome. What's wrong with you? And it took a long time to finally like like the way I look because you know I think more than like cultural things or anything else, I think that was the biggest hindrance. I don't mm-hmm. think I I I thought that anybody would want to 
to be with me or that I could even ask somebody on the idea of rejection was so scary. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it was all, it was mostly internal, but you know, once I finally had that confidence, you know, it was, yeah. I wish I dated earlier. I will say that. I think it would have been, I think it's, you know, having a kid now, I think that um, there is, there, there's an importance in kind of like learning certain basic things and understanding kind mm-hmm. of some of the dynamics of dating. I think I was probably, by the time I was in my first real relationship, like I feel like I was, I I was so green, you know. When you date somebody who's like been in a ton of relationships and has been dating since high school, and then you're like, this is the first time I've dated somebody. You're my first <laughs> girlfriend. It's like you know, it's it's not you know. You end up like making a lot of rookie mistakes, and I think so. I think it's. I wish I had, but yeah. Like what? What kind of mistakes? So I know when I finally get into a relationship, because I will be a lady who's I've never had a long term relationship. So give me give me some of the mistakes. Play playing it cool. That's oh, something shit. that appara- apparently uh you know every person isn't potentially the person you're going to be with for the rest of your life and I think mm-hmm. when you don't really understand that like when you feel like everything is is like a romantic comedy that you've seen on mm-hmm. TV or, or or in film like you're you're waiting for the perfect story versus a person that makes sense for you at that time the idea Ooh. of like relationships making sense based on who you are at that time and how you're developing and all that like that doesn't really make sense because whenever you see film for example especially if you're someone who hasn't you know who hadn't dated much like i i had when i was a kid it's like they only show you the part that the couple gets together they don't show you any of the fights they don't show you any of the complications they don't you don't know if they broke up the next who knows have you seen the film say anything mm, no i mean it's basically you know they spoiler alert they end up together but like we don't know if they <laughs> did they did they break up in london did he follow her to mm-hmm. london did they break up after she realized oh i'm i'm 19 and i'm realizing that we have nothing in common after I've spent this year in London. Like, you don't. Like, it's all kind of, like, all that stuff, the idea that mm-hmm. the relationship actually starts after the movie's over. Like, that's a ah. relationship. Like, the story is, it ends there, but the actual work, the relationship starts after that point. That was, I, that was always confusing. Like, I didn't really get that. I just assumed happily ever after. And that's not real. It's like, there's a lot of work. There's happiness, but it's not, all happiness ever after. I mean, you have to work. You actually, actually put in effort, and I don't think I completely got that. Mm. Oh. I had a job with, uh, <laughs> so I'm working with John Cena on this thing. On uh, we're hosting the the revival of Wipeout, and Amazing. the news Amazing. is out, so I can talk about it. I was like, "Can I say?" I'm like, "They've announced it," but uh, I was talking to him, and I was we were talking about relationships. And I was like, "John Cena, here's what I've learned this year: I will die before I tell a man how I feel." And he was like, "Don't do that." you have to tell people how you feel. And I was like, oh, no. So- <laughs> <laughs> Professional wrestler John Cena is telling you to open up more. And I was like, so I mean, cool. John Cena's telling me that, like, I should tell people how I feel. I guess I have to. And I was like, oh, no. As like, I'm watching a person fall from this, like, thing very high up in the air. <laughs> It was a very silly moment in my life. I was like, okay. Uh, so I guess now I'll, I'll try to tell people how I feel. I don't know. I'm so confused about relationships and when to tell someone how. But my therapist was like, if you tell someone how they how you feel and then they run away, that's not the person for you. And yeah. then I was like, 
but Mary, if I don't tell them how I feel, they'll stick around longer. And she was like, but mm. you don't want that. And I was like, but yes, I do. <laughs> so I I don't know. I, I'm just so confused about how to enter a relationship. I mean, are you sick of people saying that, you know, when it happens and it happens and you'll know, because I hate it, man, people said that for so many years. And each time I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I hope you die. How about that? You don't know when that's going to happen, huh? (laughs) But when that happens, when that happens, you'll know you're dead. Uh, (laughs) um, And then it happened. And I'm like, ah, crap. I mean, I was I was happy. I was happy. Like, it's it's happened. Oh, my God. This is wonderful. <laughs> At the same time, there was that part of me that was bitter. That's like, ah, oh, they were right. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Fuck them. Yeah. But, I mean, there is. So I, I guess, mean, there's some. I guess I just got away. I mean, part of it is like, it's like people. I, I know that some people say, you just can't be looking for it. You just can't. And I'm like, I don't completely agree with that. I mean, because, you know. Yeah, because then I'm just in my house not looking for it. And, like, the right person for me is not going to knock on my door and be like, do you need to be deep dicked and like love <laughs> and to be in a relationship. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. Come on in. It's not going to happen. I mean, a person could knock on your door and ask you if you want to get deep dicked, <laughs> but the right person, the right person though. I don't know. Yeah, that that's tougher. So you said your parents were in an arranged marriage. That's mm-hmm. interesting to me. Are they still married? Yes. Yes. They are still married. I love how you thought about it. You were like, uh, yes. Yes, they are still they are still together, yes. <laughs> Do they like each other? That's a weird question. No, it's Was not. It- it's not. <laughs> it, it, I, think it's, I think that is a, it's a fair question because, you know, you hear people say, you know, I, I love this person, but I don't like them. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I care for this person, but I don't like them. I mean, I think there's a lot of love there. I mean, how can you not? Like, so much of what connects you with other human beings are life experience, shared life experience, unique life experiences. Mm-hmm. When you've been with somebody long enough and you share kids and all the the issues that come with being in a family with, you know, somebody for so long, those are incredibly life-shaping experience and you're sharing them with an individual. Like, there has to be mm-hmm. some affinity you know, even in a bad relationship, I think that uh, you find a couple of soft spots, which sometimes is trouble because you end up staying in bad relationships because of the soft spots. But there are those soft spots because, like, you know, uh, there are going to be these these moments that are really specific to the person you're with, that you're raising a family with, that you're you know, building a life with. I mean, and so, yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a great deal of there is a lot of love there. But, you know, it's hard. You know, it's a very different concept of of. um of relationships, you know, like in in uh, India at that time, in, in in a more conservative Southern India, like you know, certainly marriage is, is seen as like um, a, the the connection of two families as much as is about like the individuals and um, the continuing of a line, you know, like a family line. It's it, there's just a very different way of, of viewing it. Like my folks met like either I think it was the day before the wedding or the day of the wedding. You know, they hadn't met in person, like. You know, they saw pictures and stuff, but like, you know, it's crazy for me to think about, you know, and the thing is, it's, it that that wouldn't even happen now, you know, like now th- there's like these, there's so many ways that people like get married in arranged situations now that are so like, it's like, you know, arranged marriage is basically like Tinder with your parents, you know, like they're, they're the, they're the app. You yeah. Know, they're the ones who are filtering it, but you make the choice ultimately. So, mm-hmm. But back then it was a little, <laughs> it's not that they didn't have choice, but it was a little more limited. And I think a lot of people 
think about it and they're like i could never but like i personally don't i'm like maybe i don't know maybe my parents who know me very well would find somebody that works well with me i mean it's a blind date with a fast track i mean that's essentially Mm -hmm. what it is (laughs) you know what i mean like it's Uh it's still you're getting set up by people but you don't have to be with them for the rest of your life i think when people think of arranged marriage they think about it in some way from hundreds of years ago, like there were negotiations between the village elders mm-hmm. and this child and this child were, you know, your third daughter and my second son will be, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not like that, uh, especially now. And so uh, I think for some people it's, it's this wonderful thing. My parents know me. They, I trust them. Here are a bunch of people they think make sense for me. I'm going to go on dates with them. Oh, this feels good. Okay, I'll keep seeing them. We're going to get married. It's just a much more... Like, it's it's basically both sides know what they're in it for. There's less of a game. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to get married. I want to get married. All right, I might marry you. I might marry you. Let's figure this out. And and you could say, well, how do you know? And then mm-hmm. you can make a mistake. And I'm like, half the country gets married and they don't get arranged marriages. So, like, you know, uh-huh. I, none of, we don't know about any of it, you know? Like we don't know what works. I mean, I think arranged marriage in another era, certainly, like, it was much more patriarchal, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it was very much, like, women were seen as a burden that you had to give <laughs> dowries to get rid of, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's about the male <laughs> line. It's not quite that anymore completely. So, you know, but I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, who's to say that, looking at random faces on a phone and swiping (laughs) is the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. To me, that seems like, you know, even like more distant than arranged marriage, at least with arranged marriage, you get your families involved. There's Mm -hmm. people that know you as opposed to an algorithm. Yeah. I think pop culture and the depiction of arranged marriages and entertainment just gives it like, it just kind of like puts this weird cloud over it. Like I love 90 day fiance, which I think is anti immigration propaganda at its finest it's a wild show (laughs) and i like i love the drama but i'm like at the heart of it i don't know if this is good for us but there's one person on it named samit who was in an arranged marriage but is in love with jenny and he's like i i didn't want to be in this marriage this that and the other and it's like well why did you marry her like you you could have said no and not put this woman through everything to be with this white lady in in the original yes I think it's, I mean, I think there's a degree of cowardice, but it's also a lot of social pressure. It's like, mm-hmm. my parents will just, and then everyone else I know just says yes, and how do I even, you know, I, there's a there's this terrible show on Netflix called Indian Matchmaker. Mm-hmm. It's just absolute rubbish. And when I watch it, it's like you're what you're showing, what you're telling the world is India is as shallow as you are. I mean, that's basically what the show is like. Hey, America, we're just as bad as you, but we just do it with third parties. <laughs> there are more third parties involved. That's all. I haven't watched it yet, but it's bad. It's just brutal. The way people talk about like, it's just very like, it, I'm not sure if it's, if it's, it, it is terrible, but I don't know if it's honest or not. Cause there's a degree of. Like, people can be pretty vicious on how they judge other human beings, especially before they meet them, right? Mm-hmm. How they view the, the way they look or their personality. And that you don't even know this person. I mean, what is, like, Bumble or, or Tinder? Like, how often are people reading profiles? Never. Maybe initially, 
But then after a while, it's like, yeah, but I still got another five million pictures to swipe. I can't read everybody. You know? And so it becomes this really gross thing. And, and I feel like Indian Matchmaker has that with the third party. Like, oh, her forehead's too big. Or like, oh, no. ah, he, he still doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. That's a, that's a bad sign. Like, you don't even know this person. You don't know how decent this human being is. And it's, it's really not really a, they're, they're from a very poor family and it wouldn't be a good match. Like, it's very blunt. And, and part of me is like, well, I guess people are really like that. But it's like really shallow people who generally hide that and are able to express it when they have to versus like, let's just get it out in the open. All right. Your forehead's too big. All right. The family doesn't want a forehead that big. It's just terrible. But it's like, who's to say, you know, it, it, to me, it's like it's not so different anymore. It's still people are still trying to find a lot of the same things like. What they define as family values, what they define as attractive, what they define as nice, what they define as successful, you know? It's, it's still a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. I Facebook, gonna... that's the way to do it, Nicole. Facebook. <laughs> I was going to go to a matchmaker, but now I'm just going to hop on over to Facebook and find somebody. <laughs> I hate that Mark Zuckerberg had anything to do with the course of my life. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. He's an odd-looking man. <laughs> Every time I see pictures of him, I'm like, what? Why did we trust him to do anything? It's not like we really trust him. I think we got addicted to the thing that he's putting out. And so we're not like, mm. none of us are like, why do we trust this dealer? I don't understand. why. It's Because it has nothing yeah. to do with him. It's like where we became addicted to this thing. Yeah, I got off Facebook and... You did? I did. I got off Facebook, I would say, maybe five years ago at this point. Wow. And I liked it. Because I like thought about it. I was like, why are you on it? And it's like to connect with friends. And I'm like, I talk to my friends for the most part in person. I text them. Then I was like, my family. And I was like, "Mm, I don't really interact with them on Facebook. So why are you here? And it's like to just like drain my time. That's not to say that I'm not like on Instagram all day. Like I love Instagram. I love pictures. It depends on your career stuff, too. Like, depending on where your fans are. Like, yes. if I got rid of Facebook, I'm going to lose my, like, 35 to 50 NPR audience. Like, I'm going to need mm-hmm. I need some way to communicate with and them. And that's not my audience. My <laughs> audience is fat women looking for someone to show them how to show their arms off. <laughs> and that's pictures. Instagram, baby. <laughs> I'm kidding. I have a lot of, like, a diverse... I would probably... It would probably be best if I were still on Facebook. I just think can't. So? I can't. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I'm just like not interested in a place where people are like, my opinion matters and everyone has to read it. And then you have this like long rambling like status. I don't even know. Do they still have status updates? Yeah, they I don't do. even know. I don't want to read that stuff. And then I was like looking at people from high school and I was like, I didn't care about you then. I, yeah. I I shouldn't care about like I don't care that you've got six ugly kids. I don't like it. I'm not here for it. So I got off. It ruined high school reunions. It, like <laughs> the high school reunion was such an incredible idea. I was so excited about my 15th and 20th. Nobody, mm-hmm. I found that nobody was going. I didn't go. I didn't even go. It doesn't matter. I got it online. You got it online. You already know. Oh, that's what they look like. Uh, oh, this the you know how many relationships they've been in. You know what worked and what didn't work. You know what they look like. Is what's the point now? What, <laughs> so I can see you in real life. I don't need to do that. I, I'm happy. I don't need to see you every day. Yeah, I don't want to see you. Yeah. Goodbye. 
And it's a bummer, Nicole, because it's set, you know, high school reunions are built for people like us to gloat. Yes. I did say to my sister one year, I was like, I can't wait for our 10 year reunion so I could fucking stun on all those yep. idiots. And she was like, yep. Nicole. You were pretty well liked. And I was like, I know, but I still want to go there and be like, I'm successful. <laughs> All right, we've come to the end. Oh, Do you, that was oh, fun. Ooh, wait, okay. Uh-huh. This was fun. And I, I can't. I don't know why I keep forgetting this, but a question I ask all my guests. Yes. I've forgotten a couple times. Would you date me? Yeah. Okay. Why, why wouldn't I mean I like, like it. we'd minimally go on a date? Yeah, like, why wouldn't we go on a date? Well, some people have responded no, <laughs> like a resounding no. Oh, because of the awkwardness if it doesn't work? Is that the idea? No, they're just like, you're a little too much for me. I don't think I'd have fun. No, thank you. Yeah, but like a date is just hanging out with somebody and then you find out if there's potential or not. So maybe. You know, yeah, but I don't people know. don't think like that sometimes. I think a lot. Some people go into dates being like, "This might be forever." I go into dates being like, "This may be good and this may be bad," and I'm like, mm. "Whatever." But the minute it's good, I'm like, "Oh, great, we're getting married." <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that's just me. <laughs> well, do you have anything that you want to promote? I know it's COVID times, so like, it might be nothing, but who knows? Uh. I mean, the only things I have to promote are the podcast I do with W. Kamau Bell. It comes out every Thursday called Politically Reactive. It's very good. Uh, You all should listen to the episode we have with Nikki Giovanni. Because that is happening or happened already and is very exciting. Uh, But yeah, Politically Reactive. It's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, So that's Politically Reactive with Kamau. And the other thing is my Netflix special, Warn Your Relatives, which I'm proud of and is sadly still topical. (laughs) <laughs> it is really upsetting when you're like things will change and then it's yeah, like yeah. nope this joke is huh? still it's like uh uh chris rock has a joke about generational wealth that is still oh. topical and you're just yeah. like man it's suck- like you look at old prior shit like that stuff still <sighs> yep is topical it's depressing it's yeah well during um I mean, we're wrapping it up, but like during the beginning of COVID and the protests and whatnot, a lot of interviewers, because I was promoting my book, were like, do you think uh, uh, people will keep talking about it? And I'm like, comics haven't stopped. Like black comics, just listen to their, like watch, like any comic of color, watch their special. There will be a chunk about racism in it. We don't ever stop talking about it. Y'all don't do anything about it. So listen yeah, right. with like your ears open. Anywho, we're at the end. Let's get back to being silly. Uh, if you like this episode of Why Won't You Date Me? If you write me something nasty hitting on me, I will read it. This person said, <laughs> they sent me an email that says, Nasty Read. As I lay here high thinking about making you get in a sex, making you get in a sex swim open. What? I don't know what that means. Swim open those and let me stuff you full of cream cheese? Ew. Then I'll pound your pussy till I come inside you? Ew, with the cream cheese? Okay. Since I bust fast... Oh, no. Don't... This is a fantasy. You can last a little longer, but anyway. (laughs) I'll go down after and eat your pussy out with a little concoction of cream cheese. But I thought the cream cheese was still in there. Oh, and then my special cream cheese until you get off. And then after, I'll flip you over and eat your ass. I gotta say... This person wants me to have a yeast infection. I don't know how sexy that was. Uh, 
It was confusing, but I like, thank you for writing that. It was disturbing. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Hari. It's great to see you, Nicole. Hari Kondalubu. Did I do it? Kondabolu. Fuck, no. No. Fuck, I switched words. Kondabulu. Hari Kondabulu. Bolu. Bolu. Fuck. Hari Kondabolu. Yeah. I did it? Yeah. Hari, Kond- Hari Kondabolu. You know, one of these days. I'm going to see you at a show. Yeah. And I'm going to see your name perfectly. And you're going to go, wow, Nicole. <gasps> it was simple, wow, wasn't Nicole. it? <laughs> Thank you so much, Hari. Have it's so good to see you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. 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 <laughs> That's it for Why Won't You Date Me with me, Nicole Byer. Why Won't You Date Me is produced and engineered by... Oh, the sweetest woman I know, Marissa Melnick. It is executive produced by other wonderful people, Adam Sachs, Joanna Solotaroff, and Jeff Ross. Thanks for listening. I love you. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you next Friday with a brand new episode. What a treat. What a dream. (laughs) This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.